0: Welcome to
1: the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health.
0: You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the mom and dot 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 podcast. I'm Suzanne Kearns, a mom and dot 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 writer, LGBTQ ally, and today a
1: half marathon trainer. I
0: mean, literally today as of about a half hour ago. So,
1: so proud of you. And I'm Missy Stevens, mom and dot, 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 writer, foster care advocate, and today, holiday list maker and list maker and list maker. (sighs) They just go and go. Just go. Guess what? I haven't crossed off a thing. Um, Maybe, (laughs) maybe one or two things. So we're supposed to be having tipsy ellipses. We're supposed to be recording this live on our Facebook group, but major, major technical difficulties tonight. So... Now it's just like a regular numbered episode. We would release it as an episode anyway. So the only difference is you didn't get to watch us live on Facebook. All five of you who show up every month to watch (laughs) us live on Facebook. But you can
0: still go watch it at our YouTube channel. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes.
1: Yeah. And so we're really excited. We want to talk about holiday giving, but not just like a great gift list, what to give your best friend or your mom. We really want to talk about the spirit of giving to local organizations and how That needs to extend way past December, so when the inflatable snowman is gone from the yard, we still need to have that spirit, Uh, and we're going to talk about how to help our community all year round.
0: Yes, and as Missy says in her introduction every week, she is a foster care advocate, and so to kick things off before we officially introduce our guests for today, we'd like to have her talk a little bit about what being a CASA means. Am I even saying that right, Missy? Yeah. So you yeah, are say
1: being a CASA. Okay. Yeah. That a- <laughs> and I say it a lot in the episodes. I talk about CASA, but it's true. A lot of people don't know. And in a lot of parts of the country, it's a guardian ad litem. It's not called a CASA. So you may hear it. CASA is a court appointed special advocate. So you may hear it as CASA or you may hear it hear it as guardian ad litem. And really there's two reasons I am a CASA. One is I was in a sorority in college. I was a theta. And our national charity as thetas is CASA. So I've known about CASA for a long time and thought it sounded like the coolest gig ever, but I didn't think I was ready. I know now I was wrong. A lot of people can be a CASA. It does not take special knowledge. You get trained to know what you need to know, Um, but that's kind of hindsight. And then the other reason I am a CASA actually has a lot to do with Ellen and her husband, my brother We'll introduce Ellen and Kristen in a minute, but Ellen and my brother, foster parents still are technically foster parents. They just don't have foster children, right? Kind of like you keep your stuff up today. They don't have any foster kids in their home right now, but they had a particular foster child and this child's bio parent were caught in this loop of like, they can't get this because she doesn't have custody, but she can't get custody because she doesn't have this. And it was just like this never ending loop Mm. of red tape and bureaucratic stuff cycle and they didn't have a lot of help to go through it and luckily they had really good like a really good foster family on their side but not everybody has even that and not everybody has the time or the resources to do that as a foster family and had this child had a casa then maybe things would have gone faster maybe not who knows Mm. But hearing that was kind of solidified in me, like, I need to go ahead and do this. I've always thought about doing it and I need to do it, but I've been doing it for a little over two years, I guess. I don't currently have a case. I had four children in two different cases, but they were all related and they have all graduated out of foster care in one way or another. Um, so I'm currently just doing continuing it, but, um. If anybody, as we talk tonight is interested, I can get you more info. And it's just a fascinating look inside the system and an amazing way to really connect with children and families, whether it's their bio family, their foster family, their future adoptive family, whatever that combination looks like to connect with people and help people get to where they're going. Um, It's a complicated process, so they need a lot of help. Oh,
0: And they're lucky to have you, but I know that you feel like you're lucky to be in this position and be able to help. So, And that's one of the things we want to talk about tonight. And I think we talked about this with our, we had the repeat episode with Nancy Davis Co. for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. But this idea that advocacy or activism or whatever it is doesn't have to be a full-time job it can be we're going to talk to Kristen and Ellen where it is a a job and a career option but it's also a really cool option for people who want to volunteer or get involved on the board level. So we can talk a little bit about that. But instead of just hearing about us talking about it, we want to introduce two of our favorite people from two of our favorite organizations that also support foster care, foster kids, and foster families. So um, I think since you are technically related by law, you can introduce your (laughs) (laughs) guest
1: first, Missy. (laughs) Okay, well, our first guest is Ellen Evans. And she is with Foster Village, and I'm going to let her in a minute talk about Foster Village, but it's pretty, pretty amazing. And Ellen is my sister-in-law. Um, she is married to my brother, which makes her a very patient loving, kind, saintly woman. Oh, but sh- <laughs> but he was
0: also guess, he was on our show on our, yeah. right on
1: our, I almost said brother's day on our father's day episode. Yeah. We had our brother's cup. So that was really fun. Yeah. you
0: had the, the whole family practically. Almost
1: the whole family. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, we, Now we just need to get, yeah, my mother would love to come on. We need to do a mother's day episode. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Ellen, if you want to tell us a little bit about Foster Village and yourself, your mom and Ness. Yeah. Um, uh, mom and I'm
2: Director of operations for Foster Village. And we launched Foster Village about five years ago when we were in the foster care process. And just like Missy said, we had a case that was difficult in lots of ways. And one of the ways was um, just trying to help a biological parent and not being able to, and trying to be that support for her that is not always found. And at the same time, feeling like there wasn't a lot of support for us either in trying to do that and so i met another uh friend of a friend who was going through a very similar process and we realized that we lived in the same town and didn't even know one another and we just thought this is like the the bottom line right here is why do we not know one another and that is crystal smith the director of foster village so we decided to come together and try and make a change to bridge that gap between the community and the foster care system um, to try and build not only those connections between foster parents, between one another, but also to the community itself. Because everybody always says, how can we help? What can we do? And when you're a foster parent, it just, it's like, I don't know, you know, there's nothing right then and there that's like the answer to that question. There's a million things, but it's just a hard question to answer. And so we want to come in and answer that question for the community say this is what you can do this is how you can help because everybody can have their place in helping these children these are our community's children and we all have a way to help and support and we just have to figure out what our place is and like you're saying Suzanne whether that's advocacy or activism or whether it's CASA or a career or a foster parent there's a million ways to help and so it could be as simple as volunteering with a meal So our goal is to come alongside families and bridge that gap to find that help and help to sustain those foster families so that they can continue to foster.
0: That is amazing. And I know that you probably run in the same circles as our next guest, (laughs) Kristen Finan, who is, she's a mom and dot, dot, dot co-founder of Caring Hope, and also recently Austin Travels Magazine, which uh, that's a whole nother subject that uh, is so yeah. exciting, um, and also a writer, foster mom, adoptive mom, and more. And so, Kristen, we've kind of talked about in past episodes some of the things that Caring Hope does, but there's nothing like hearing it straight from the founder <laughs> as far as uh, where Caring Hope started and uh, what it serves in our community. Absolutely. And I feel just like so excited seeing all three of you on screen.
3: This is a lovely experience. We've known Ellen and Crystal since the beginning. I think we founded in 2016, like the exact same month and have been great uh, <laughs> friends and peers since then. And so we love Oster Village and just love our partnerships with them too. And Missy, your experience with a CASA, I've heard you talk about it before. And CASAs were instrumental to my personal cases in my family. And so grateful for what you do, my partner, Mari. Carrying Hope is a CASA annual incredible and then Suzanne has literally been with us from the beginning as we were sort of scraping through trying to figure out what we were doing and I know she's talked about it before but literally on Saturday she was sitting in our van with a laptop like (laughs) hammering away about what the Christmas gifts were and that we're coming in and I just love all of you ladies it's just uh wonderful to be here but um Hope we founded in 2016. I'm a foster mom and adopted mom also as mentioned and um up here in Austin and, and really had always dreamed of being a foster home actually after meeting a foster home that was in my neighborhood in southwest Austin in Western Oaks. And they lived uh, two streets over from me. It was a group home, it was nine kiddos, and I was 12 and 13 and bored in the summer, we actually went over and knocked on the door and tried to get them to come to a summer camp we were holding because we thought if we could get nine kids, we would like make a lot of money. <laughs> our summer camp. <laughs> their mom was like, eh, that might be a little much, but y'all can come over and hang out and volunteer each other. So, my friends and I, Rachel, who was one of the co-founders um, of Carrying Hope, also, we just started going over and hanging out because their house was more interesting than ours, and we became dear friends uh, with with a lot of the kids there, and are still in touch with many of them. And one in particular that I became very close to, he graduated high school against all all odds after going through really horrific experiences in in some treatment centers and shelters, and. Um, he was riding his bike to work one day when he was in his twenties and we had had to, my husband and I had married and I told him like on our second date, like we're going to be foster parents one day. And then the foster child that I was really close to growing up, he actually got killed. A distracted driver hit him while he was riding his bike. And that day I said, okay, this is it. We need to do it now. Now's the time. You know, we've got Mm -hmm. two own daughters. We're busy. If we don't do it now. Maybe we won't do it, and so we put in our application with Helping Hand Home here in Austin, and have now been foster parents for seven years. And it's been a long and winding journey, as Ellen I know can relate to. Um, (laughs) And uh, we've had uh, a little bit bigger family than we anticipated. Our hard stop was four, and then two of our um, former foster daughters came back. So now we've got six in our house. But it's been an amazing journey, and through that journey, we started carrying hope because. We accept emergency placements, and when you accept emergency placement, children are coming from a very traumatic situation and don't have time, you know, frequently to pack up their things. So we had the experience of literally having children on our doorstep with absolutely nothing. You know, the other narrative is they're coming with one or two items in a trash bag. And either way, seeing them um, and experiencing this with them on the worst day of their lives was really sobering. And it was hard to believe that this was the way that they were still arriving, you know, this many years later. And so um, my partner, Mari, and I and our co-founder, Rachel, just decided what if we come up with an idea for Hope Packs and Hope Packs to have everything that a child would need for the first um, 24 to 48 hours in a new home. So it's brand new jammies, clothing, boots, flashlights, nightlights, nightlights, um, activities, toiletry kits, kit. you know, just anything we could think of that would be essential and also just bring them some comfort. And so we've been very fortunate that Austin, Has come through for us, and we've been able to grow, and we've been able to distribute to every region across Texas, and we opened a Houston branch this year, and then we've got some other exciting things that we're working on too to try to expand the services that we're able to offer. So we're just um, grateful to be here and just excited to be part of the community here with you all. Oh my gosh!
0: I know. I I, obviously I know what Caring Hope does, but every time I hear (laughs) Kristen's story, (laughs) I get so inspired. It's just so amazing. So what I would really love the audience to know more about is kind of like, okay, let's say I have an hour a month or an hour a week or an hour a day. Like what are kind of the different things either in your particular organizations or other organizations that you partner with that also serve foster kids? Kind of just to give a feel for the wide variety of things that people can do even if someone's like, I'm so busy, I don't have any time. I mean, Kristen knows there are months and months where literally the only thing I accomplish is the Caring Hope newsletter. I mean, so, I mean, it can even just be like, I just do this thing Which is once amazing, a month. by the way. <laughs> Sign up for it because uh, Suzanne is incredible. at the it newsletter. It comes every month-ish. <laughs> but like ours, which comes every
1: quarter-ish. Exactly.
0: But no, I mean, so there's, depending on what you're, you know, if you're good at web development or newsletters, you know, people can use that or, you know, maybe designing a logo or going in if you want to do more manual labor, it can be, you know, that side. So I'd just love to hear for each of your organizations, kind of the variety of things that are available, depending on what someone's skills are or what their availability is. So at Foster Village, we have a lot of different options and they
2: really span all the different time frame. We try to make it as flexible and easy um, as possible for people to get involved. So we have two resource centers, um, one in Derby Springs, which is our original one, because that's where Crystal and I live. And then we expanded to a resource center up in North Austin. So if you have an hour a week, um, then you could, or not even, an hour a month, um, you could make a meal. And we have what we call our village in action, where we connect people kind of like meal trains to directly to foster families, where there's you could do a meal, you could do, you could mow a lawn, you could um, do some babysitting while the parent is in the home, but maybe they need to do some cleaning and organizing and they need somebody to watch the babies at the time or anything. So we have um, those types of smaller time frames, And then we have working in the resource centers where you might come and spend a couple hours a month, but that's a pretty, some people come once every quarter. Some people come once a month. Some people come weekly. So it's a matter of signing up and how often you want to come. And that's a lot of sorting and organizing and bringing in our inventory and packing bags. So one of the things that we do is equip families with what they need kind of after the hope packs. So um, the Hope Packs come in for those first 24 to 48 hours. They have those jammies that they need to sleep in that first night. And then what we do is after that, where either the CPS workers or the CASAs or the foster families themselves reach out and say, we have this new placement that came last night. This is now what we're needing. And so then we are able to uh, fill in with the next week's worth of clothing and the beds and car seats. and things like that so some of the bigger items that um, people don't necessarily have if they weren't planning on that placement a lot of times kids are placed with kinship families the family that they know already and maybe the kinship family just got a call from cps to say hey we have your niece and nephew can you take them and they're like we don't have any beds and Mm -hmm. so we show up then with the beds um, so that they're able to say yes we want the kinship families to be able to say yes so, a lot of volunteers are able to come in and help pack those bags with the right size of clothing and the bottles or the formula or the, you know, whatever um, is needed at the time. And so, another volunteer opportunity that we have is delivery where you can, it's just through an app and you can just sign up when you want to actually make those deliveries to those families. And so, we just throw it out there and we say, Hey, we've got this family, you know, in this part of town. Can you deliver sometime today? And then people just respond back and say, "Yes, I can make that happen." So those are a couple different ways to volunteer, even just a little bit of time. And yeah. then we have other things like parents' night out and donation drives and things mm-hmm. like that.
0: But. And- and I'll so like. for people who they have more maybe money than time in some <laughs> cases. <laughs> um, I'm assuming there's donation uh lists on the site as far as things that y'all yeah. need and top requests and that type of thing too.
2: Absolutely. We have our wish list Great. rolling so we'll have, on the
1: website. We will there's a lot of shoes that. on that wish list right now, like fancy tennis shoes. So if you have well, any <laughs> green, did somebody <laughs> buy that's them? Our,
2: no, but are I think that's you're talking Christmas, about our, right? Our Burke Center wish yes. list. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that is a yeah. um, boys' home out in Dripping that we um, specially do at Christmas to provide the boys with um, the items that they are specifically wanting. So they got to sign up for what shoes they wanted, and um, yes, they are. We we try to get them the the best shoes that they want at um, mm-hmm. at this time of year, and they always look forward to it and are so excited. So that wish list is rolling right now, and definitely needs to be. Um, on whatever links we have out there.
0: Yeah. Okay, we'll yeah. get all that in the show notes. So yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. And so- your wish list, like your regular wish list that goes all the time,
0: mm-hmm. is
1: updated with what you need then. Cause I don't, it's hard to explain right. the resource centers if you haven't seen them. But I mean, they are packed full of stuff and it looks like a beautiful <laughs> store. They're really lovely, but at times they may have hundreds of pajamas in sizes you know zero to four and so they need them in other sizes or whatever so the list is specific to what you're lacking and you take new items right, right? not used stuff yeah exactly
2: yes we're taking yeah. new items and and we try to to change that wish list around right now we're completely out of infant toys just mm. gone just gone. Right? we can't keep them in stock interesting um, so um, we try to also do donation drives that target those specific mm-hmm. um, areas. So yeah, and we and then there's certain things that we always need. We can't keep newborn and preemie diapers in stock. Those are always gone too. Um, and size five. I don't know why size five. Interesting.
0: Because <laughs> <Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. laughs> those are the expensive ones. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yeah. It's a bunch of people like me, like, I wanna do something really good that makes me feel nice and like I did something, but I wanna spend nineteen dollars, not forty. <laughs> 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 so yeah, I think yeah. The generosity sometimes sees the price tag. I remember buying those diapers. I was like, holy cow. But yeah, <laughs> to raise when you're done with them. But you know what? We learned about that. Oh, gosh. Who was it? Tell me which guest it was, Missy, that was telling us about the diaper issues where oh. people cannot go get their kids into childcare unless they
1: provide diapers. Yes. The diapers We've are not considered a wick item. There's something like, yeah, their funding or their subsidies you can't cover... use is it you can't use food stamps for them maybe, like there's maybe. a particular thing the, the government
0: funding does not cover diapers we'll put whoever that was in the show notes it's like right I here say, i, I want to say it was Lisa stromberg who was telling us about that it might be, it might um but be. there's this i mean it's just this horrible again that in the cycle where yeah That's again think, yeah. it's like you can't go get a job Unless you get your kid in childcare, but you can't go to childcare unless you can afford these, like we were just saying, astronomically expensive expensive diapers, diapers. and you cannot use the money that you are getting from supplemental care to cover diapers. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, uh, ah, yeah, I mean, that could be, I mean. Um, can we come back to this but look listen and learn i want to talk about that again okay let's let's talk okay. more about diapers <laughs> i'm really into diapers after learning about that stuff but kristen yeah. i am very familiar with your holiday drive because we were very busy this weekend yes getting we were holidays. but since <laughs> since the listeners are not as familiar with the holiday drive and some of the stuff that ways that people can volunteer with caring hope or get involved um, if they prefer to donate versus Donate, you know, goods or money versus time. Tell us all the variety of stuff you've got.
3: Yes, there's lots of fun stuff. We just wrapped up our holiday dry-in Houston and in Austin, and we collected gifts for children in more than 300 foster homes. So that was really exciting. We always do that in December, and those have all been distributed. But we have, of course, opportunities throughout the year, and we're always looking for delivery drivers also that can go pick up Hope Packs from a location deliver them, take them to people that have just received emergency placements. Mm-hmm. Our model is that we deliver directly to CPS and the foster care agencies. So ideally, they have a stock of our HOPE packs. And so if CPS worker knows they're going to place a six-year-old. They can you know, go into the rainbow room and grab a HOPE pack for mm-hmm. a six-year-old girl. And then the HOPE pack will be there on the doorstep. And I did want to mention, we include magnets in our Hope Packs that shout out the other organizations. And I wanted to mention too, that Foster Village actually brought me a bed for our daughter when she came as an emergency placement. And it was an amazing help. We were like not expecting it. She got a Hope Pack, but I was like, we need a bed. And within 24 (laughs) hours, we had a bed for her and we just love you guys. So what we do is in the Hope Packs, we have a magnet that's like, hey, you got a Hope Pack today. Um, because I don't know about the resources for me, you know, when we became emergency placement, uh, foster parents, we thought we have time to like, do all the research and we got a call at 10 AM. The first day we were on the list, To, <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> you know, and literally it was like, Hey, you're ready. Right. And so I didn't do any research when we were scrambling around. And so. Um, of course, Foster Village is w- very well known now, but we want to make sure that people know the resources there, you know, every way they possibly can. So that's why we put a magnet there and, and shout out our wonderful peers. And um, I love Foster Village personally for that reason, too. But, yeah, we do need delivery drivers also. And there are a bunch of opportunities from home, which we really, of course, ramped up due to COVID. But yeah. we, we always love it when people make Hope Packs. Um, and we really, part of the reason we started Hearing Hope is we wanted ways to get back with our kids. And so making a hope pack, you know, maybe with a child. Uh, of your own for a child that's entering foster care at the same age can be a really meaningful opportunity. It can also be a source of massive tantrums if you're at Target and you've got like a three-year-old that doesn't understand why these toys aren't for them. It's kind of Ooh, like, tough, like yeah. initiation for people. Like, it's okay that you still teach him about giving, he did a good thing. Like, just because he had a tantrum doesn't mean it was a bad thing. But uh, that happens too. Um, yeah. But, I mean, anybody making a Hope Pack is, is incredibly special for us, but especially kids kids. We have a kids program called hopes heroes, where in addition to making a hope pack, kiddos can go through a variety of tasks, like, you know, making a speech about foster care at their school or, um, recording a video to share with friends and family. And we have a lifelines mascot called hope the hedgehog that Susanna was very familiar with also. And, um, <laughs> have you she... ever been hope the hedgehog? <laughs> I have not. Christian, I Christian. would kind of want that gig uh you are welcome to if you'd like to come on in that volunteer capacity we are always like me and it's not my fave um <laughs> we now have a smaller one called hutch Hedge the hedgehog too so there's options if you, if you two wanted to come do it together that might be a lovely that would be, uh, opportunity okay yeah. for you both um but we have her and events and and she's always encouraging the kiddos so it's called hope's heroes because that's our life-size hedgehog. And so they can accumulate points. And then if they get up to 300, they get a stuffed animal and their picture on our wall and some other exciting things. We uh, are always looking for corporate opportunities. We'll have companies that say, Hey, can we make 50 help packs and we can bring out supplies and they can do that as, as kind of a corporate gig. Um, schools are another amazing, you know, we'll have people do most needed item drives for us where they'll say, we want to just collect jammies for the month of December, which is really amazing. And then we also always need volunteers in our office. We have a office on Burnett near 183, and it is positively busting at the seams, which is a great problem, but it means we have needs for a lot of organizational help and a lot of hope packing opportunities. So, yeah, we have we have needs for for pretty much anything that you know someone would want to do, and, and we welcome all of those. We are really grateful for all our volunteers, and they have really helped us you know, get where we are. And
0: Kristen, you kind of touched on the way that larger corporations can get Mm -hmm. involved too. So I love the fact that, I mean, the way I got to know Carrie and Hope um, is through my friend Erica runs a group called Austin Allies, which helps families get involved in community service together. These are like full-out amazing projects that the whole family can get involved in. Um, so we'll link to Austin Allies as well. But that's how I got introduced to Caring Hope. Even though I knew Krista, we, yeah. we were in the PTA together, but somehow I'd never put two and two together that she was running this amazing Sometimes organization <laughs> too. Yeah. So okay. I, isn't that the weirdest thing? We always say you need to actually talk to people in the pickup line. About what they do, not just about what your kids are doing that week. Because, yeah. I mean, how many amazing women are you not recognizing? I mean, what partnerships you could do, how you can help yeah. collaborate, how you could volunteer. I knew for a woman once for almost a whole
1: school year and didn't know she was a doctor.
0: You know, like, how? <laughs> <I know. laughs> Cause oh. we're so busy talking about what our kids are doing instead of the The
1: capacity, you know, like we were just doing stuff for the kids. And so yeah. when we talked, it would be like you buy plates, I'll get paper towels, whatever, you know, like it was that. <laughs> yes. And then she said something about being on call. And I was like, Oh, what are you on call for? Like, I mean, it was like, May. <laughs> she's like, I am a brain surgeon. <laughs> exactly, She's like, rist, operate rist, on people, rist, <laughs> so, and you're also a really yeah. good plate buyer. So, so okay. yeah, that is all of
0: that's all of our assignments for the few weeks ahead. Is that if you are at a, just even a holiday party or your kid's school party or whatever, instead of small talk about what the kids are doing, talk about something cool that you are excited about doing yeah. in your life.
1: <laughs> we love our kids,
0: <laughs> but yeah. y'all are interesting <laughs> too. We're about the moms, not about the kids. Yeah. So that's my soapbox there. But no. So I love the idea that there's, you know, these Hope Packs that you can make with your family, but then if someone's in a corporation or if they have access to like larger scale things, there are the opportunities to do that. I know from a Hope Pack sense and getting these companies to do that. So I'm a foster village or do you have other like, if there is someone out there that has a company and they want a hundred people to get involved with like, how can a a bigger company also help support you besides just kind of nice big check.
2: Right. <laughs> um, so we have similar um, opportunities where we have uh, a lot of companies do donation drives. So we might create a new wish list specifically for a company or a, like a specific QR code that links to certain items them or we even have them come and tell us like what they want to do um you know this is what we would like to do is that okay with you we're like that sounds great let's do this or that or however we also have some companies that actually have serve days built in to their year and so they come every year and at one of the resource centers or even both of them and do large group projects um just depends on the on the business
1: and what your need is at that time and right? what the need so is maybe it's yard time. work, maybe it's maintenance, maybe it's sorting or sure. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's, absolutely.
0: That's pretty similar for carrying hope as well, christian yeah. yeah.
3: And we can really tailor it. I mean, it's been really fun. We've had a couple of, you know, we had main event this summer, right when we thought COVID was opening. It was like just in this window where it made sense to do it, but they mm-hmm. they were having a, a national Conference at Highland Pines, and they wanted to, do, you know, make like 300, and so we were able to bring out the supplies for that and do this kind of giant event. And of course, hope the Hedgehog was there and she was dancing, and it was a lot of fun <laughs> um, for them. And it was just really sweet, though, too, because you know they were coming from different branches of Main Event from mm-hmm. you know, across the state, and so they brought you know giant stuffed animals like what you would find at Main Event. They each brought like tons and tons of those that we've been able to distribute to the kids and it was just really special it's really heartwarming
0: and just exciting to see you know what's what some people
3: are willing and able
0: to do and it's nice that you can make it turnkey for these companies too that like okay you can be the labor for this we'll bring the ingredients for the hope packs and so just the flexibility of all the different things that y'all can do and now I know both of your organizations, in addition to the work side, there's also a little party side and that you do the galas that are also fundraisers As for people who enjoy to contribute to companies by getting nice and dressed up and having an evening out and having some fun. Um, I will start with Kristen just because I'm, I'm familiar with the gala and, mm-hmm. and that it's <laughs> yeah. coming up. So let's get, share some information about when Caring Hopes Gala is coming up this year.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for asking. We um, have it scheduled for March 31st. We had a virtual one last year, which I think we made as fun as we can, but we're really excited <laughs> to see everybody in person again this year. Yeah. It's going to be at Springdale Station. And right now we're planning for it to be completely outdoors. And usually, typically in the past, we've always done it like the weekend of Valentine's Day and called it our fostering love gala event. But we wanted to pitch it toward late March after snow vented and just hopefully we'll be kind of out of the woods for that for an outdoor event. Yeah. Um, but we're planning a lot of really fun, exciting speakers and music. We have a lot of sponsorship opportunities and also underwriting opportunities. If you want to sponsor Light Bites or the Photo Booth or whatever, any number of things, we tried to get really creative with it. So all that information is at CarryingHope.org. But we're just really excited. We're just we're really you know more than anything just excited to see everybody in person. Hopefully. Mm-hmm and just enjoy each other. I mean, it's it's really heartwarming and, and very moving for me to right. go to this event and see the faces of these people that literally showed up in a park where we had our first drive in 2016. Mm-hmm. And they've been supporting us ever since and they watched us grow and grow with us. Um, so really that's what I'm looking forward to because that's why we've been able to do it and it's been really just an amazing opportunity to see the support that we've gotten and to have these people with us the whole time like Suzanne.
1: I I think Foster Village has kind of a similar story like oh yeah yes we (laughs) bowled one year which was so much fun actually.
2: (laughs) It was so much fun. In our fancy dresses it was um, black tie bowling that was a really fun one.
1: Um, It was really fun
2: now you have like a full-on
1: gala sold out every year. We have a
2: full-on gala. We had one scheduled for March the 13th of 2020. Um,
1: <laughs> not a great day to have a gala. Aww. Not a
2: great day for an in-person, 350-person mm, gala.
1: So that um,
2: we canceled Bath the Morning of, which was very traumatizing.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: we uh, fortunately were able to hold a gala this past um, October. So we just had one in October. And we, were, just like Kristen said, oh, my gosh, we were just so glad to see everybody. and to be able to thank everyone for growing with us, for sure. It is amazing to see the support and the generosity of the community come together at an event like that. And so we, we were blown away. So we are now on to planning the next one. Um, so we have it planned for sometime at the end of September. We haven't actually released the date yet. So we
1: will be working hard at that um, between now and then. So I want to talk a little bit about, I'm pivoting a bit because we've talked a lot about how you can get involved from a financial or hands-on standpoint. But I think it would be really helpful for listeners to hear a little bit about the state of foster care right now. Talking about the state of
3: foster care, and I know Ellen can speak, they've dealt a lot with the CWAP crisis, which Ellen should definitely talk about because it's it's just um, staggering. But basically, you know, the, the state of Texas foster care system is in crisis. It has been for a long time. There's a lawsuit um, against the state for the the situation that it's in. And there's a record number of children that are without placements, that are sleeping in offices, that are sleeping in hotels. And you know, when you look at the impact of COVID for us, we kept distributing at the same numbers because it turned out that so many of the children that we ended up distributing to were CWOP, were were these children that were sleeping in offices. We had um, requests to buy cots in Waco because otherwise these kiddos would have been on the floor. we have been distributing mm-hmm. toiletries faster than we can collect them because the kiddos in Austin that are sleeping in offices have to take a van over to the Y so that they can shower because they don't have those facilities. So it's been really sobering. And Alan, I don't know if you want to talk to that extent right now, um, but it's definitely changed... What we do, and it's also kind of accelerated, you know, a next phase for us, which is that in the next year, we plan to open an emergency shelter and also offer transitional housing for children that are aging out. Because when you're living this, especially as a foster parent, as an adoptive parent, and being involved in a nonprofit like this, and you see what's happening to the kids and no one's fixing it, you sort of get so angry that you mm-hmm. have to do more than what you're doing. And that's where we're at. So um, I'm just really mad. And hearing it, that it just seems like it keeps getting worse and worse. I mean, it's like a thousand times the number of children in CWOP compared to two years ago. So, I mean, Ellen should speak to Foster Village because they've been taking these kiddos in. But basically, you know, when a child's in an office or a hotel, they have to have around the clock supervision from CPS. And so even if it's not a place that's comfortable for a child, if a caseworker is supervising them. Then it's considered the best, you know, that they can do because there aren't homes for them or shelters for them.
2: Yeah. So I mean, Kristen's right on. It's definitely quite a crisis here in Texas right now, and we have basically a thousand less beds in the state of Texas, a thousand less places to put these children than we did two years ago um, before COVID. And the, it's a multifold fold problem um, mm-hmm. in terms of it's you know COVID, obviously did bring down the numbers somewhat just because we had to have um, places to set kids aside when they come in to quarantine and things like that. But a lot of the issue is this lawsuit against the state of Texas. So that has brought the number of group homes the number of um, treatment home facilities down mm-hmm. significantly. And so that's why we have so many less beds to place kids in. So right now, well, so during the last year and a half, we we did have these children that um, are without placement staying in one of our resource centers. And it was just like she said, it's just, it's so hard to watch happen. But at the same time we realized that we had such a small space with just a few beds that we weren't even like able to really address the entire crisis. So we're, We've pulled back. Okay, what do we need to do? And how do we use our advocacy? How do we use our community to reach more children and more of the crisis? So, Kristen's shelter is going to be a huge help. It's going to be wonderful. And then another thing that we're doing on our end is building on a new resource center that is not just to equip families with the items that they need, but equipping them with services that they need. So, support groups, training therapies we hope to bring in all different kinds of therapists to be able to provide free it's hard for families to access these resources so we want to try and bring all the resources to one location to make it easy so our goal is going to be to sustain the foster parents by providing these resources to then ideally create more beds in the state of texas essentially
1: at Um, casa we talk a lot about doing um Not trying to eliminate removals. There are times when removals are needed, but providing resources to these families to help reduce removals, because a lot of, a lot of these children who are without placement are coming out of places. Had the family had the resource or even someone to say this resource exists, they might not be in that position. So it's this, again, this multi-layered multifaceted crisis where Mm. removals are happening that maybe we could avoid. So at CASA, we talk a lot about how do we come in and help reunify or get them in a position where they have a home and a bed? And maybe how do we help avoid that in the first place? So I think it's something like a resource center where families can come in and learn about what's out there, you know, families who are trying to be reunifying families. So they're not in this position again. It's amazing. but it's Right. And there are so many kids that are reunified
2: and definitely the goal is to those kids to be reunified on a permanent level. And in order to do that, these families need support. They can't do it alone. None of us. We can't parent alone. I can't do it without Missy, Aunt Missy. (laughs) 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 So um, we need to figure out how to provide that support to the biological families to keep them supported and going as well, for sure.
1: Yeah. And then adoptive families, there's a lot, there are a lot of boxes that have to be checked that you guys can speak to even more intelligently. But once a family is in this system on any level, there's just all these really complicated boxes to check. And Ellen and I have talked about it in relation to cases we've been involved with there You have to get to therapy. You have to get to meetings with different groups, and you have to also hold down a job. and you you have to get to all of these places and maybe you don't have a car. So, how do you get to all of these places? If the bus takes an extra three or four hours of your day, mm-hmm. which if you've never relied on the bus for transportation, I think that's eye-opening that it can take two hours to get somewhere that takes somebody with a car ten minutes mm-hmm. um, for sure. So it's just this, like, there's just so much need out there. Yeah. And so I think getting what I was getting at earlier is there are probably some ways we can get involved legis- legislatively. That's hard to say at the end of the day, <laughs> legislatively <laughs> to help. And I don't even really know what, where to start with that myself, even with everything I've learned. Like, can we write letters? Who do we write letters to?
0: Yeah.
2: Sure. You write them to your representative. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the Mine's things useless. that... Um, but- <laughs> Did
0: we mention we live in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: um, Crystal um is a really is a great advocate and is definitely on the forefront of yeah, um, the the people in Texas who are wanting to do things that make changes. and so ideally what we are bringing to the table is the stories from the front line, the families that we know, the people that we know, the causes that we know. Um, And getting those frontline stories to the people who are tasked with making the changes, Um, working with the judges. Um, We're in very close contact with the judges on a regular basis and being involved in pilot programs and brainstorming and think tanks and, you know, all of those kinds of things. So the, the one of the most important things that we can do is share our stories that we can to them.
0: And now I've, Kristen, you touched upon this idea of the aging out and the purpose of the Caring Hope New Shelter that you're working on. Can you tell a little bit more about that? And if anybody wants to get involved on that front, what types of donations are needed, any services that are needed, how people can help there as well?
3: For sure. Yeah. So there's various types of shelters and RTCs. So- Um, our first step is to open an emergency shelter. So we're going to start small, you know, probably a dozen kiddos and then grow from there as and figure out what we're doing. And I I have six kids that are still, you know, doing well in my house. So I think it would be 10 or 12 (laughs) with full-time staff. We'll do, you know, we'll do okay. Um, but our goal is to grow. And my goal really would be if we could, you know, template it and have these wonderful shelters that we know are done well and done beautifully across the state because the capacity crisis, unfortunately, doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And Mm -hmm. I think the the key and something that I feel that I can do and that we can do as carrying hope is take good care of the kids and do it, you know, incrementally in a way that we make sure it's being done right and then expand it from there. So that's the shelter will start small, but it's going to be, it's going to be right. And it's going to bring healing and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that these kids know that they're loved. And then ideally we're going to grow it out so that, you know, an emergency shelter, you know, really a child's only supposed to be there for 30 days. They can stay longer. They can end up staying up to a year, depending on their circumstances. But our goal would be to grow it out to cottages. So if a child's doing well, they can just stay and they can be with us. And then if they're aging out, that we have aging out cottages, also where they can stay, and you know even have a private residence for themselves. So you know it's all this is all like phase two and three, but the shelter is coming. The shelter will be here um, in 2022. We've got our application, page application. We <laughs> have had an acceptance, so um, we're really excited, and it's really special to us because I think with Hope Packs, you know, you're doing something. It's benefiting a child that needs sure. it, but we have so many of the kids that make hope packs that are like, but I don't get to meet them. And I'm not saying we're gonna, they're going to come and meet kids at the shelter either. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you know, I think it just gives a new depth to what we do, mm-hmm. knowing that we're able to care for these kiddos in this new way, in addition to the tangible idea of a hope pack. And mm-hmm. um, and there's just such a need for it. So we're just really excited. We will be accepting volunteers once we're open. I'm hoping that you know it'll be a late spring open. And then we'll be looking for volunteers. We're going to be looking for furniture. We're going to be looking for anybody that wants to donate services or labor. So, I mean, anyone that's interested in helping, you know, with the actual physical home. And then also, you know, in terms of once the kiddos are in there would be so welcome. And we're just really excited. We're grateful to be able to do this. We're grateful to the community for allowing it to happen. And it's been a long road. We ran into some deed restrictions and some fun other things that happen in these situations. (laughs) We have the light at the end of the tunnel now and we're ready and we're just really excited. Yay.
0: Now for people, since we're getting close to the end here, uh, for Mm -hmm. people who want to get continuing information, learn more about you can, and I know you've got your award-winning newsletter. Yes. Sign up. It is the best. I I, I award myself, uh, but I know there's a (laughs) newsletter y'all can sign up for, but uh, do you want to share your website and social handles and the best place to find you?
3: Yes, we are on caringhub.org and Facebook. It's at Caring Hope Austin. And we also have an at Caring Hope Houston. Um, and then on Instagram, we're at Caring Hope.
0: And what about for Foster Village? What's the best place for people to reach out and get more information?
2: Sure. Our website is fostervillageaustin.org. And we are Foster Village Austin on Instagram and um, Facebook as well. And then we have various other affiliate locations. But our Foster Village Inc website takes you to all those different locations as well. And just to touch back on one thing that Kristen said, if you have those children who say, I want to meet the kiddo that I'm packing this Hope Pack for, um, a great way to volunteer is respite. And that basically means babysitting. And there's another wonderful organization called Fostering Hope Austin. And they have a website that can lead you down a babysitting certification process. So that would be a way to give a foster parent a break and bring a child into your home for a weekend or whatever, and um, let your kids experience the joy of making a new friend as well.
0: I had never even heard of that. What an interesting opportunity to
1: be able to do that. And that's (laughs) my my next campaign at my house is to be respite care. That's really, really really, (laughs) like everybody in the home has to be on board. Yeah. Um, So that's my, my hard,
0: So needed and such a blessing is is such a good point.
1: Oh oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) And
0: you know, and I, we haven't even talked about it because we're trying to just kind of baby step people into things that they can do. But I mean, becoming a foster parent, I mean, obviously huge need. Um, you're seeing two foster parents who've had incredible experiences, touch their hearts, touch their lives, touch their families. So we'll put some links in the show notes, just in the interest of time for people who want to get more information. We'll get some of your favorite links and resources for people who actually do want to take that next step and learn a little bit more about what it would be to be a foster parent what that looks like and what that involves. So we'll put those in the show notes for people who want to dive into that research a little Mm -hmm. bit more as well. All right. So we, awesome. we got a little bit of a late start with our technical difficulties. Do you have time still for like a couple minutes for look, listen, learn? You're good. I do. Good yeah. sports. Yeah, I do. Good Yay. Sports. I know. <laughs> our poor guests, even without technical difficulties, we usually are like, you got five more minutes. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, so yeah, our look, listen, learn this is a time when we usually talk about either some things that we've been watching or some new songs we've been listening to, new podcasts, or some of our favorite exciting beauty products. But we thought, in the spirit of foster care and foster families, that we could. Uh, focus our look list and learns on some of the things either that we've learned around volunteering in this area or just even some of the favorite products, most needed products, those types of things. Um so yeah. Who wants who wants to kick it off? Missy, do you want to go first? or, or oh wait, we got oh, it. <laughs> Ellen's ready Ellen's <laughs> ready. Okay, Ellen. I
1: like, may like if Ellen and Kristen have really great things, like I may not go tonight. Cause oh. I feel like they may have better things than I do. But, um, let's okay. see. Let's see what it's, you come it's up It's not with. a contest.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I only have, I only have one thing. Um, okay, and good. that is, that's the show made
1: on, is it on Netflix? I think
2: have y'all oh, seen that? I, think so. yes. I haven't watched it yet. It's on my
1: long list of to watch, but yeah.
2: Oh. So it is a very good show that enlightens you to what reality really can be like for the families that we serve out there. So like what we were talking about, the catch, wait the maid is a very good example of that. You can't get a job if you don't have childcare. You can't get childcare if you don't have a job. Um, right. All of those kinds of things. You can't get to work if you don't have a car. So you can't have a you know, yeah, You
1: can't get a car if so you can't stuff. pay for a car.
2: Yeah. Right. So it's been it's a great example um, of, of what life really looks like. Now, have you watched it with your girls or is no. it older? I think it's older.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Um. I
2: maybe, do- maybe for, I mean, I probably could with my older. Yeah. But I don't know the things that we're watching right now. I probably could do it, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know when I think about what I do watch, it's just when it's so real. I know. Isn't
0: that the weirdest thing? Like, oh, they can like cut each other in half with lightsabers, but when it's like (laughs) real life, like yeah, this lady, she has to carry a vacuum with her on the ferry because she doesn't have the car to be able to get it to her cleaning job. Like,
1: right? I
0: mean, you're like, oh, I don't want my kids to have to see that. But like, no, that's like, that's That's real life for so many people. And I think that's important to really drive home that Decisions that you, because I mean, oh God! Well, she makes some really rough decisions in that show. I'm like, you don't get in someone else's hot tub, but, but, but it also, I just heard a, I just heard a saying the other day. It's like it's not that people make good choices; it's that they have good choices. Right. And I think, oh, yeah. and not everybody. I'm talking about people in our situation, people with a lot of privilege in their lives who think that, oh, I've got to where I am because I've made such good choices. It's like no. I had a lot of pretty good choices to start with. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, and knowing that not everybody has that, um, I think made, made really drove that Mm -hmm. home for me as far as like, what would I do? I do not know. I do not know. And how just little
2: mistakes can turn into the Mm -hmm. spiral all the way down. And, you know, and whereas I could have made a large mistake and, got out of it
0: easy yeah and the the issue of dealing with the home that you have been raised in the support that you have from parents or don't have from parents and what that impact that has once you have children of your own and that's a that's also a real privilege so yeah very interesting yes I do encourage people to watch that too yeah what about you Kristen
3: um I'd like to shout out a local company called uh, Kay's Hair Extensions. She makes incredible bonnets that we actually include in our hope packs for our various kiddos with textured hair, and she's just a really amazing woman who donated some of them, and we've been working with her. and I just love her. And She's got a, a awesome. passion for her business and for our kiddos, and I just I just love her. So I want to shout her out. And then I also just kind of maybe this doesn't necessarily completely fall under, but under the learn component and under what you all were just talking about too, you know, about what's appropriate and what's not, I would just urge parents. Um, we get a lot of parents asking us, you know, like, Oh, but I mean, foster care, that's, that's kind of heavy to talk about with kids. Like, how do I explain that? What do I say? And, um, I mean, for me, you know, my experience at a foster home when I was 12 changed the course of my life. Right. And like became my dream to do this. And, and I really mean it. It's, doesn't seem like a dream every day, but getting to do this is a privilege and is an honor that I am grateful for every day. Um, but I think I would just ask parents, you know, on the learn component, don't be afraid to talk to your your kiddos. And if it's not that hard to explain. You know, I mean, you can say there are some kids that aren't able to live safely with their mom and dad right now, and they need to go somewhere else. And that's to a foster home. And I would also just encourage my family as a transracially adopted family. And we've seen a lot of racism too. And you know, you also hear people saying, but five's too young to talk about race with my child. Six is too young to talk about race with my child. Well, guess what? My five-year-old three different times has been told her hair looks like poop by your son. And I emailed you about it and I called you about it and you didn't return my call or email, you know, and I think that people don't understand that now is the exact time to do it. And you can do it in a way that's age appropriate and you can do it in a way that makes sense. But our kiddos that are of color are dealing with this burden every day. And It's everyone's responsibility to have these discussions and to teach your children right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And I would just welcome people to open up the conversation. There are so many great books. There are so many wonderful resources online. And I just really would say talk about the hard stuff, like in an age-appropriate way but talk about the hard stuff. Because if if you don't talk about it now, when are you going to talk about
0: it? And what if you Mm -hmm. never talk about it, you know? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up and uh, that kind of ties into one of my learns and this ties into, uh, we're not specifically talking about LGBTQ kiddos now, although they are a disproportionate number of homeless kids because they tend to get kicked out of their house when they do not Mm -hmm. have a supportive family. Along those lines, I'm very involved with social and emotional learning and curriculum in schools. It's interesting, the idea of you'll hear it called sex ed. Right. But it's not sex ed. It's some of these lessons that Kristen's talking is about like I'm proud of myself and I I respect others based on the color of their skin. They have different hair, they have whatever. And for some reason, just because it covers the idea of that people have different family structures in the sense that they might have two dads or two moms, all of a sudden it's called sex ed. I'm like, no, it's just be it it's just be a good human ed. But anyway, so I do have a so I have a soapbox about that. Don't but be my other My other soapbox related to this is that many schools um, are trying to be more sensitive around the language because there are such diverse family structures. Mm -hmm. So instead of forms saying, you know, the mom and the dad, it may be guardian one, guardian two, or just the language around, you know, a trusted adult versus assuming that it's a parent, whatever the case may be, or your guardian. There are groups of people trying to twist this idea into trying to take away power from the families, or they will try to tie it to trying to bring the LGBTQ lifestyle and by saying, oh, well, we can't call them parents anymore because it's a dad and a dad. Like not necessarily, it might be an aunt. It might be a grandparent. It might be a foster parent. Mm-hmm. There are so Caretakers many- types and guardians yeah. come in all so, shapes and sizes. Yeah. I just, I just want to put that on people's radars because we've been seeing it in Austin. It's going to be more and more places. People are trying to, you'll hear it, SEL, social emotional learning. Mm-hmm. People are coming and attacking it because it's trying to basically normalize the fact that we're all normal. <laughs> and and that makes some people uncomfortable you know parents of five-year-olds who would rather have their kid tell someone their hair looks like poop than to have a conversation with them about why they shouldn't do that i mean i it just boggles my brain so Mm -hmm. when you hear that and you're going to hear people probably talking about how social emotional learning is trying to take away the power from the parents and it's trying to like tell your kids to go talk to somebody else no it's just meaning that not all kids have their parents, and they do need a trusted adult, and they need the language around that. Um, So if you see some forms that say Guardian 1, Guardian 2, it's not someone trying to cram an LGBTQ agenda down (laughs) the school district. It just (laughs) is saying that, uh, I I mean, sorry, I... I told you it's tipsy ellipses. <laughs> I know. <I'm> gonna...
2: <laughs> so, so, no, I... and it's not. And it's not just sur- surrounding like sex ed and and the older kids and things like that. It's also you know the kiddos that are in um, pre K and kindergarten where they're still doing family trees where you have to yes. fill in the mom yes. and the dad yes. and it's there's no room in there for other options and yes. we it's need so to make it we'll make yeah. it so that that's not the case. Yeah. Right from the beginning in school. Yeah. And those types
0: of ideas and those types of lessons around that, again, they fall under this social emotional learning umbrella. Unfortunately, some of them are also labeled as sex ed because the different tree, you know, in addition to an aunt, uncle, foster parent might be same sex parents. Um, But just, I just want people to be aware of that because there's so many people who will try to scare you away from this because they are too scared themselves for some reason to have these important conversations in their families and mm-hmm. they just don't want their kids to, I guess, hear about being nice and understanding to other <laughs> kids. But anyway, but also I want to just, I'm, I'm just going to keep going and going. Uh, one of the things that Christian was talking about as far as there is a higher representation of kids of color uh, in the foster care system. But a lot of the products, I think, that are being donated are being donated by nice white people. <laughs> that that don't know, necessarily know don't what know. products are needed for textured hair or that there's right. you no know, different combs or brushes. And so, um, along those same lines, especially with the Hope Packs, one of the great things that people, the kids get sometimes their first book that they've ever had of their own are parts of these. So, I would just encourage people to go like check out the Instagram account, We Need Diverse Books. So, yeah, if you are looking idea. at donating to a foster village or to a Caring Hope, if you're Doing these books, you know, maybe kind of think about who is truly going to be that recipient. It may not be a mirror mm-hmm. image of what your family looks like, and they may right. have different needs as far as just uh, the products that they use in their hair to the kind of books and wanting to be able to see themselves in those books. So, I would say that we need dessert, uh, dessert books. I'm a little hungry. <laughs>
1: <Diverse> Same.
0: <laughs> we also need I'll dessert. Take a books. dessert book. <laughs> right. I know, but and and now these do not fall into the uh, diverse book. but they do fall into super cute books. And so I'm doing a little shout out for my friend, Sarah Mazes. Um, Oh, dang it. My camera's not working. She's got these cute on the way to the bath, on the way to school and on the way to bed books. (laughs) And I know at least three quarters of us are writers. (laughs) I think we can appreciate my, the reason I'm shouting out those books is because my friend, Sarah, uh, they were originally published almost a decade ago. um, And then her editor within that group left the company and so she no longer Ah. had a champion and they just kind of got rid of the books like you couldn't even find them and so in the idea of women supporting women and just people being brave to take chances she she bought the rights back to her books So that they can see the light of day again and all the hard work and stuff that she put into them. So she's just kind of scrapping along being like, here's my books back now. (laughs) What do I do with them? So, and they're so sweet and they're really cute. And the illustration, since I've got a daughter who is an illustrator who, I would be heartbroken if some publisher just decided to leave their hard work on the floor for a decade um, so they're just seeing their light a day again. So mm-hmm. again if it they they are not necessarily the diverse uh, voices that we are talking about from the we uh, need diverse books but they are supporting another a working mom who um, is doing her thing and we just like to support other moms and their businesses. so I've given her a little yeah. shout out too. Awesome. And just so that people know, like, we get so
2: excited when we um, receive those types of donated items. I had a um, donation drive not long ago from a larger company, and they did it on their own, and they made their own wish list, basically, mm-hmm. within their company. And I, it all was just shipped to us. And I opened up the boxes, and it was dolls of all different colors. It mm-hmm. was books, and every book had a different color on the book, the face. And I just was like, gosh. That's so funny. That's yes. So, so it is.
1: It is. Um. It's rare, and we get very excited when we see those items. Yes. I would like to talk for one minute about seeing yourself represented, and it is a lot. A lot of the donors are nice white people, and so in my my look, listen, learn, I kind of had a, like one of those flutters when Ellen was talking. Cause I'm like, my look, listen, learn ties to her inadvertently. But I think it's important because we don't often realize how different experiences are for other people, um, that you start to educate yourself about what's out there and the difference between something being different and something being dangerous. So just because somebody's life is different, doesn't mean it's dangerous. Um, and so I would like to recommend the CASA podcast. The CASA of Texas podcast has many episodes and we'll link to it so you can easily find it, but many episodes that talk about that just because what somebody is going, their lived circumstances look so differently from yours. And we talk about like, if you go into a house and there's a hole in the floor, that doesn't mean the parents are bad. That means they can't fix the hole in the floor. Poverty does not equal bad parenting. Um, so I really encourage people to go listen to that podcast and then follow all the bunny trails that come from it. The amazing like authors and speakers and their books and Ted talks and everything that comes from it that you can really educate yourself. And one of my passions is learning about ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. And every one of us has an ACE score and it's everything from, you know, did you grow up in a stable two-parent home or did you experience divorce? Did you grow up in a home that did not look like the traditional American family in some way? Did you grow up in a home where there was um, drug or alcohol abuse? Were you abused? Were you, were you food scarce? Whatever it was, it adds to your score. And every American has something. Mm-hmm. Um, every person in the world has something, but many people have six or more, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a huge number of aces. And then understanding that. We can meet people where they are and help them recover from that. And that's part of the foster care community is reaching out to those people. So yes. um yeah, I'll put that podcast in there. Have y'all
2: seen that little meme of the little Yeti holding his trauma on his back? No. Ooh, y'all so- seen that? I don't I don't know what it came from. I just saw it on social media, but he's he's carrying his bag full of trauma. And then on top of that, he's gets put a bag of job stress and then on top of that a bag of a pandemic and on top of that a bag of um I don't know car car wreck or something. Mm-hmm. Um or loss of transportation or something like that. And then there's a little just like bump in the road and he trips over it and falls and is on the ground and somebody walks over and is like you're, you're overdoing it. Like that's no yeah, big deal. That was just a little bump in the rest. You just fell. <sighs> and that, it was yeah. just so perfect when I saw mm-hmm. that, I was like, yes, where yes. trauma is huge. And I think we all need to be more educated on trauma for yes. these kids and for all of us as adults as well.
1: Yeah. Right. Everyone's carrying, you know, I learned about generational trauma in the last couple of years. I, your ancestors trauma is still wired in your brain. Uh, And so we have this amazing gift to learn about it, understand it and help future generations. But if we put our head in the sand and we don't want to talk about social, emotional learning, and we don't want to talk about our own trauma or whatever the case may be, well, then we're not going to make any changes. So we have this incredible opportunity at this moment in time. And we talk about the pandemic a lot on the podcast, but it's a real eye opener. We Mm -hmm. experienced a collective trauma. Or at least most of us did, most of us acknowledge it, <laughs> that we experience <laughs> this collective trauma and people are like, oh yeah, stuff is hard when you're dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. Everyday stuff is hard when the whole world is topsy turvy. Well imagine that's that's the case for a lot of people well before the pandemic.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, this is such an important discussion. I feel like we could go on and on and we've already taken oh, so much of your time. Yeah, valuable I talk about time. it all night. I know. <laughs> we do. <laughs> we, somehow we managed to sprinkle it into just even the most random episodes of like, you know what? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, uh, foster care is a very near and dear uh topic to all of us um mine you know very much from a volunteer standpoint Mm -hmm. yours from actually being foster parents and seeing on the front line what what this looks like and what the process is and we're so grateful to you and everyone like you and your organizations that are helping these kids and the families that take care of them on a daily basis i mean i i i get terrified thinking like what what would happen if organizations like yours weren't there i just I don't even want to think about it. So I'm just so grateful that you are there and you're helping these people. I mean, the fact that even Kristen in the situation of knowing all the things that are involved in foster care still needed the benefit of Foster Villa to be able to bring the bed in a situation. I mean, you just, as prepared as you are, you cannot be as prepared. I mean, you get nine months to have a baby. You get like, what, 10 minutes notice sometimes to have this new kid in your house. And so... I mean like like we're saying the hope packs help that family and the the kid have a nice graceful entrance and give a little hope to them during those first 24 to 48 hours there's so much that foster village can do to help then support those foster parents after that fact and then other organizations including carrying hope that's going to be able to help kind of with the aging out community so there's so many different ways depending on what what level of fostering or helping care for this community, what, what speaks to your heart. Um, There's so many different ways that you can help support. We'll put lots of links in the show notes. Mm -hmm. We'll put the foster village and carrying hope links. Um, Yeah. There's so many different opportunities that, you know, if you can just drive a car once a month to go drop something off, every little bit helps.
1: All right. It's amazing.
0: Oh, Thank you all for being here.
2: Thank y'all for having us and for um, bringing it to everyone's attention. A little more goes a long way. Yes. Yes. Um, Yes. And Um, everybody's
1: really eager to give for all that you all eat, that both of you do. Oh, thanks. Thank
0: you. Yes. And just our our big reminder, what we want to drive home here is that I think everybody thinks about the like giveaways and the gift trees and all that type of thing around the holidays. But, I mean, the need is really 365 days a year uh, for organizations it's that immense. support foster kids. Okay. L- we yeah. literally could just go on this forever. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's important. It's all so important. I so we'll know. try to find some
1: late. So that you know. can start to I probably understand, understand too.
0: Yeah. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. Speaking <laughs> of all of the kids in your house, I know that they're probably looking for yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, or would you like us well, to I'm just keep around. going? <laughs> is this a nice yeah. excuse to hide out? No, that's <laughs> honestly, I. Excuse to lock the door for a little while and the dog's out there, it's
1: fine. Yeah, just hear the TV like, no one wants me to come out and tell them to turn the TV off and go to bed.
0: Okay, so just stay in your room for like another hour and just come out (laughs) later and be like, Oh, Susanna and Missy just would not stop forever. (laughs) My husband would totally believe that, too. There would be no problem with that. That's true. Our episode with him went for an hour and a half, so yeah, yeah. Uh, well, again, thank you so much for your, everything you do in the community, and for your generosity of time tonight. Yes, um, we yes. we really wanted to get this message out, both for the holiday needs, but also kicking into the new year. Um, so people who I think there's going to be some New Year's resolutions, hopefully around generosity and giving. And I think that this could be a really nice place to start for people. So Agreed. we'll have all those links in the show notes for people who want to click over and see, see what's a good fit for them. Thank, Thank you so all right. much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and Thought dot, dot, podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show today. And if you know someone else who could benefit from today's episode, be sure to share it with them. Also, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in the show notes over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, you can find us at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. You can find links to the group, all of our socials, and our questions and comments section over at our website, momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you so much. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.